Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Why Should I podcast. We got a collab. I know this is not Rachel talking right now. That's because uh, Rachel and I, the Red Dolphin podcast, have decided to collab on an episode about teammates. Uh, Rachel, you want to go ahead and uh, do a little wrinkle yeah. in my intro? This is exciting. This is a first for me. Never done this. And uh, yeah, I am on the Red Dolphin podcast with Mr. Jack Fitzgerald. And... Uh, magic. It's magic. Oh, it's magic. <laughs> Really? Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick. Oh. But. <laughs> no, you're good. Wait, I, what is it really? It's Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. No, but you're not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> I always tell people we have a uh, beef with the Fitzgeralds, kind of like That's the Hatfields McCoys. Well, because on Instagram it's just Fitz. Yeah, yeah. So I was actually Jackie just taking Fitz. a complete guess. I had no idea. Hey, <laughs> you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I love it. Well, for some context, we're newer friends. We've only known each other probably a couple months at yeah. the most. Yeah, I think I got down here in August, so. And I mean, really, just talking about friendship in general, like the, the church has been a great outlet. Uh, Rachel works as the Next Steps director at Life Family downtown, and I, I got connected down there, and her and the entire team are so good at just talking with everybody and making them feel at home. So props yeah. to Life Family, Pastor Randy, Pastor Derek, and uh, Rachel, <laughs> of course. Love it, yeah. So we have uh, coined, what are you, Jack number two? Is that right? Yeah, unfortunately, I am Jack number two. <laughs> Uh, so when Jack came, another guy named Jack came as well. And for some reason unknown to me, he got Jack number one and Jack is Jack number two. But, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> My mom would get a kick out of that. She's actually in the back. My family's in town right now. Yeah, this is awesome. I, uh, he's got a great setup. And so, yeah, never done a collab episode before, but just kind of shared hearts on what our uh, podcast vision is and um, well, I mean, just getting content, content out in general that people can find helpful. Um, mine is, yeah, why should I, and just posing different questions, why should I blank, whatever that is. Um, and normally when I do an episode, I pick a person and then a topic will come from that, whatever I feel like that person is, I don't know, their, their niche or their grace, whatever it is. Um, and after talking with Jack and his heart for uh, sports and um, equipping young adults and stuff like that, the idea of a teammate um, was something that kind of just came in my head and it's broad. You can go a lot of different ways with it. So I think we can have a good discussion on it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's lovely. Every step of the way. And why should I, why, why should we be here? Let's, let's get into it. <clears throat> let's get into it. So, all right, Jack, what do you think makes a good teammate? How do you, how do you think good teams are developed? I think, so this is going to be great for my, any of my college football coaches because they instilled a team chemistry that was like no other. And the very first thing that they kind of sat down and talked to us is, I mean, one, we have the, the point blank mindset thing, but then the other thing is at the end of the day, we're working together and we all need to be on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. And uh, a quote that I actually got from a TV show is, uh, it's actually, I don't even know if it was a good TV show. It was just like one of those like kind of weird ones on Netflix, but it was like half a solution is worse than no solution at all. Mm. And so when you have a half a solution, you're essentially just people against people and it's just more disruptive than if people were just not to care altogether. And so I think the first and foremost thing that we were harped on, and I believe just learning and seeing it vicariously and actually living and doing it anecdotally would be psychological safety. And Harvard actually did a study on this and the number one uh, like main denominator of all these high performing teams is being able to tell somebody how you feel in a way for them not to be defensive and for them not to like, you know, kind of take it as a personal attack. Yeah. So like if, for example, if I were to go to my coach and I were to say, Hey, I'm not sure if I like this look or, Hey, I don't think, you know, uh, we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength as players. He would always take that as a, 
I'm glad you brought that up. And we would never feel like we were inferior or overstepping bringing that up. Now, tone and everything and having, doing it in the right place and time is always like important. Mm -hmm. That's rule number one. But being able to have those uh, tough conversations with people, I think is like, I mean, that's how, that's how you're becoming a good teammate. You yeah. know, you get people feeling safe that they're working with each other instead of feeling, you know, fear. They're totally. being led good on the inside. Totally, totally. What kind of coaching strategy like worked best for you? Did you receive best like that hard oh, guy that like, you know, super tough or the ones that were more like graceful about it? I mean, honestly, I, I do like the super tough coaching. Okay. And I know that's kind of like an odd, maybe it's not an odd trend. I don't want to speak in absolutes here, but. I'm, I'm opposite of that. So really, yeah, curious to hear your thoughts. So I think it's just like, uh, like for me, I'll take, I, I take the more extreme side of you're not going to hurt my feelings. Okay. Like you can yell at me. Nobody's going to take away my birthday. Like if something needs to be done, you can like hammer it on and strike it. But like a lot, a lot of leaders that I've been blessed to be with aren't necessarily that way because uh, sure there are instances where like, yeah, you can, it's very easy to cross a line when having that approach. And how did you find out that, you know, maybe not the hard, hard approaches yeah. essentially for you? Grew up loving sports basketball was my jam when i was a kid and all i wanted to do was like excel and be good at it and then when i went to high school i had a, a coach and a super tough just a tough coach that kind of a, a screamer kind of okay like, he would like yelling at timeouts yeah, and um i mean you know we're a bunch of girls and i, I know some girls are like you know maybe more thick-skinned with it but i took it to heart i might sometimes try and act like i'm tougher than i am but i'm, I'm inside a, a softy and um yeah he would he would just get really frustrated and i would like just take that on and um rather than like i don't know allow it to propel me it would squash me um, mm. and it like kind of eventually ruined a little bit of my love for the game and so when i got to be a coach um a couple years ago i found myself being able to um coach middle school girls and um it is that hard line of that. You want to push them. You want to be tough. You want them to level up and, and do the best that they can. But just also keeping the proper perspective that you're dealing with different emotions. I was talking to middle schoolers, and they're honestly terrible. <laughs> like they, like at know, the they, sport? Yeah, or like yeah just, at, the, okay. at the sport. Like great attitudes, great hearts. Um, this one kid, I remember she made me – I thought it was so sweet because we were playing this team that like – we for sure thought we were just going to get destroyed and we were actually like hanging in there pretty good. Um, and at that age, they all have to play like no matter what, even if <laughs> you, they all got to get in the game at some point, you know, but this kid was on the bench and she was like, I really want to play, but I understand if I, if I can't, and I'm like, you know what? I appreciate you because like, you know, you're trying to do what's better for the team at the time and stuff. But all that to say, like, I don't know, I, I'm motivated more by, um, just speaking like life and positivity, which I just, I know that it's a tough world and that's not always the case, but that's kind of the, what I wanted to model as a coach of like, Hey, um, maybe disappointed at, at something at some, some point in the game, but I want you to know, like I'm for you. I want you to be able to come to me on and off the court. Like, mm. I just feel like when there's that safe relational equity, reminding kids bigger, you know, it's, it's bigger than just a game kind yeah. of thing. So I'm sure it's different for boys and girls, but that's kind of... But I do know a lot of girls that resonated with more of the, you know, tough tough love kind of type thing, but it wasn't me. <laughs> right. And how did you deal with that? Like, you know, you're, you're kind of more... You, it sounded like you wanted a more relational, like, 
coach player relationship, you know, with more empathy. How did you deal with that? I mean, you, you mentioned you put on kind of like the hard front, but well, I kind of looked elsewhere for validation. Um, mm. I so growing up, I had this like role model, um, and it's kind of a cool full full circle story. I got to interview her on my podcast uh, a while back, and it was just so cool for me to tell her. Like, a lot of times people say like, "Don't meet your hero because they'll let you down," and like that just wasn't the case with her. She was a, a basketball player at Texas Tech, and I was a kid that grew up going to those camps and stuff like that. And oh so yeah. I was like, D1 athlete, so cool, you know, um, at those camps, you got to, like, really rub shoulders with the athletes and, like, just kind of get to know them pretty cool, like, pretty well and stuff, and so she was just a a hero in my eyes, Um, and so then, yeah, I reached out to her when I had the podcast, because she's, like, a a college coach now. Oh, that's nice. uh, Yeah, so the episode I did with her was, why should I um, pay attention or, like, act like someone's watching or something like that? I don't remember the exact verbiage I used, but basically the idea that the life that you are living, like, people are watching and it matters and what you do, like, on and off the court, you know, all that kind of stuff, like, it really does make a difference. Um, And I know, like, a lot of times in the context of an athlete, like, there's just a lot of um, example for, like, even varsity players. Like, the, the more, the higher level you get, the more I feel like of a, responsibility you have um you know to to lead by example so i'm sure you could speak into that with your you know college football time and stuff like that oh, you know? of course yeah and it, it's crazy because like i remember being like even like a young kid and thinking the varsity football players were like playing against ohio state i'd like <laughs> like you don't even have perception of like what level these guys are playing at but you see them and it's like something that you want to be mm-hmm. and like we had a kid uh when i was a little kid in high school his name was Tony Liebarger, and I like I thought he was the coolest dude ever, <laughs> and just the nicest guy ever. Went to church, and like he had me be the water boy for the football team. I thought it was great, nice. but and I it mean, means the world. Like oh yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah, and I mean you hear stories of people like maybe Johnny Manziel who go out there and they just throw that away, yeah. and it's like for what? And I mean the this the higher you go up, the media wants to make the good guys look good, and they want to. They're always looking for stories and dirt, so mm-hmm. you better you better be doing the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, a big part of being a good teammate is knowing your role and what you bring to the team. Yes. Like, no matter what lane. That's why I think this conversation is cool is because, yeah, whether it's the team of, you know, a sport or your role at work or your role with family or your role with friends, like, knowing what you bring to the table, what your lane is, what your niche, like, when you can just kind of own that, I think it helps your team succeed, you know, and get to where it needs to be. I love that. And, and on my side of that is, um, so I, I played varsity football four years in college. I come to a great coaching staff. And essentially what happens is I, I kind of quickly understand, you know, my freshman year, I don't play. My sophomore year, I start to play some special teams reps. But like junior and senior year, writing was kind of on the wall that, hey, I'm probably not going to be an everyday player. I'm going to be lucky to get some minutes. We're going to have to be in a blowout to, to, for me to actually see the field. And a part of me, actually, it, I, I take that back, no part of me was resentful towards that. Hmm. And a part of that being is, one, I had a great set of teammates that were very involved. We all loved each other. We text. We go out to get dinner with each other and whatnot. And two, I understood my part was more being the motor and I feel like a lot of people would attest to this in practice. It didn't matter, you know, if I was a senior on the scout team or a freshman on the scout team, I was going to bring it every single play. Mm. And then just when you're around with people that you love and you have an affinity towards people and you have this high motor, it's easy to connect. And, you know, going into my senior year, I almost saw myself as a mentor for some of these, you know, freshmen who were on scout team because, 
you know, a kid gets recruited out of high school, they're feeling that, uh, you know, they're going to come in, they're going to play, they're going to love it. And if they don't get that, they're going to want to leave. So it's like coming from a guy who's been on scout team for four years, see it and bust their butt and maybe talk to them and, you know, talk to them about their classes. That was kind of my key role. Mm. And so one, you need to assess your strengths. So for me personally, I was great at communicating with people and I was great at bringing a great attitude. Yeah. I had those two things going for me. That's awesome. My weakness is I probably, I just flat out wasn't the best football player in my position group. And there were guys better than me. And I mean, is it a weakness or is it just knowing yourself to lead yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And have you ever had a situation in which maybe your strengths weren't like recognized or anything? Cause like there's certainly been points in my life where that hasn't been the case either, but I'm interested to see because yeah. m- being in ministry, yeah. I'm sure working with teams is a big thing as well. It is. It is. Um, so I teach a membership or like a, yeah, a membership class that we do at our church. And one of the things I, I talk to people about is this idea of um, three questions you can ask yourself on, on like figuring out whether you, you really know what you're good at and what you're called to or you're still figuring out. And that is, what are you, um, what are you good at? Like, what are you just naturally graced for? What's that thing that ever since you were a kid, like you're just pretty good at it? What are you passionate about? That thing would just, you know, pump you up in the morning. Uh, you would do it even if there wasn't any money involved. Like, what's just that thing that, you know, fires you up? And then what is, like, the need that you notice in the world? Like, what has God put on your heart, whether that's, you know, um, single moms or homeless or whatever it is? Um, but to, to answer your question, um, so I've been in ministry pretty much my whole adult life now, graduated college, um, went to Bible college, uh, and then was uh, on staff at a church in Houston for a little bit. Moved to Austin in 2016, got on uh, with Life Family, and was there for a number of years. Actually left for a little bit and was the director for Special Olympics. Um, and there, I kind of ran into some, uh, like, I guess in my leadership life, that's kind of somewhere where I had a little bit of a tough time because the culture, I, I, it was a work situation in which the we were told, like, um, work together, really you, you utilize your, t- your like, you know, coworkers and that kind of thing. But then when like push came to shove and you actually needed help, like you would kind of get reprimanded when you actually like did pull on other people for stuff and and things like that. So that was kind of tough, but, um, yeah. And then now back in ministry and loving what I do, um, my role with next steps, like, I feel like it's a really big part in what I'm graced for because something that I'm passionate about is just like helping people do what it is that God's called them to do. Mm. So with with what we're doing downtown, um, I just love the idea that like we all have passions, we all have gifts, we all have things that you know we bring to the table. And Scripture talks about it in First Corinthians twelve how we all you know are these different parts that make up the body. Um, and a guy named Bob Goff he says like your life shouldn't be um, a, a soloist but an orchestra. And so mm. this idea of everybody coming together to to do their part to make the beautiful sound you know that is the the kingdom of heaven and stuff like that. I'm just passionate about it. I love the idea of it takes um, the kids workers and the worship team and the people running sound and like all these different people collectively doing what they're gifted and what they're called to do to, to make a, you know, an experience for, for people to come and experience God. And I've been in sports settings where like the Lord has kind of spoken to me about this stuff, uh, like at a basketball game, I'll just like I don't know, have this like spiritual epiphany of thinking of how cool it is of like, you know, say it's a Longhorn game or whatever. And these kids that have been training their whole lives to be able to play at such a, a, you know, elite level and 
and they're there now doing it on such a you know grand scale type thing and then the coaches same deal they've been working their entire lives to be able to coach at this level and then the officials and the technical people that are keeping yeah. score and yeah, then you right. got you know the dancers and the cheerleaders and the people in the band and like everybody like doing what they've worked so hard to do and are so skilled to do like to to make this experience where I can come and spectate and enjoy <laughs> yeah but I just love that idea of like how we're all uniquely wired and gifted for something and when we can tap into that and know our role like what you bring to the team is so you know needed and I want to bring a nuance to that, Rachel. So, uh, and it would be super arrogant for anybody to neglect that there comes a point in time where ego kind of overshadows our purpose as a teammate. And I'll be vulnerable first with this, and then I'll let you kind of give it maybe an instance if you feel like sharing sure. uh, for yourself. But like in high school, so I, I, I worked very hard at football. Mm. And then, you know, senior year kind of comes around and I do not get voted as senior captain. And, you know, it, everybody says they work hard. I like to think that I was just on another level of things. And, you know, that kind of hurt my ego. Mm. You know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm the man. I'm supposed to go out here. I'm, I don't know why I would not be elected to such role. And that kind of, it, yeah, it, it did kind of hurt. It kind of brought a sense of, you know, doubt on my ability and maybe what I've been working for. But then, like, kind of going through the season, it kind of hit a realization that, hey, this is like a transitional phase. Like no matter what, I will be playing college football mm -hmm. next year. How do I have the most fun with my friends? Even though we suck, we went <laughs> one and nine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't a captain yeah. and kind of like a role of accepting. So have you ever had an instance where like maybe ego overshadowed what you were supposed to be doing in the moment? And how would you go about taking a step back and analyzing <laughs> that? Yeah. I mean, same deal. My, uh, like entire high school career was just, we lost all the time. We were terrible. <laughs> oh, and it was like, it was sad. Um, so yeah, we would get like blown out. I always laugh because they're like, you know, I, we'd come out with really like hardcore rap music. You know, oh, yeah. Thinking we were like, you got to. <laughs> and then just get destroyed by like 30 points. So, <laughs> so, but yeah, like getting beat down time after time after time, like does definitely get old. Um, so I mean, my ego was kind of crushed just because of the scoreboard week after week. But um, a time when it was kind of cool to see that reversed was a little bit of, um, I don't know how you would say this, like, like uh, just something that kind of, I don't know, helped me leave my high school career on a decent note was I got to play in like an area MVP game. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, so it was like the best kids in the area. And that was like the best game I've ever had in my life because I got <laughs> playing with other people that were like, you know, kind of good. <laughs> Not to say my teammates weren't good, but like, <laughs> you know. Oh, gosh. Yeah, oh. yeah. I mean, you're only as good as your your bench, you know. We used to have a shirt, uh, a spirit shirt that was like, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah. And I kind of like that, you know. I mean, because, yeah, you can have a couple great players that try and carry the team. But like, if they get gassed and stuff like that, you got to have people on your bench that can come in and, you know, play that that role. But my ego was squished all throughout high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry to hear that. Just like, but yeah. Do you do you think that uh, a good teammate always needs to be liked by their other teammates? Hmm, that's a good question. I do think there needs to be some level of respect across the board. Because mm. if you're like just like fake and secret, like if you secretly want them to not excel like that's only going to be a toxic thing that oh, you yeah. know doesn't help anybody um <laughs> it's like a seed for mean girls <laughs> yeah yeah so i definitely think there needs to be a level of a 
accountability. I think, yeah, good teams have accountability and right. calling each other, you know, out and higher and yeah, no matter what your lane is, even in, even in the church world, you know, um, it's kind of tough. Like, so in my other jobs and stuff, I've always kind of been the um, nonprofit ministry sector. Um, and when you're dealing with volunteers, you know, and people that are just doing it um, out of for their out of the kindness of their heart and stuff like that, you know, but it's that hard line sometimes as a leader of like um, being graceful and mindful of people that are just, ex- you know, doing that out of the kindness of their heart. But then also, hey, if, if there's expect if there's like standards that aren't being met, um, trying to, to call people up and just hold them accountable to what it is they signed up for, mm. you know. So that's an interesting nuance and balance that I do not have figured out and I'm trying to, you know, get better at. But um, I think that I heard a preacher, Rich Wilkerson Jr. is his name, and he says, change confrontations connotation. Mm. So the idea of like, we don't always have to be rainbows and butterflies. Like sometimes there's a little tension. Sometimes things got to get called out. And like, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with that or a problem with that of um, just making it the norm to allow open communication um, and say, hey, this kind of hurt my feelings a little bit or uh, really expected you to be here at this time and we needed you or, you know, whatever that thing may be. But um, holding people accountable, I think it's an important thing as a leader. Of course. Rachel, I do want to talk about, you, you mentioned call up, and that was a big thing that we had in our culture uh, at Olivet, was when you when you go and you're kind of telling somebody, hey, they're doing something wrong, you don't want to call them out. Mm-hmm. You're never, calling out somebody puts somebody down, but when right. you call them up, right, right. you're like, hey, here's a standard, here's where we want to be. It's not saying, hey, look at what you did. Yeah. You're saying, we need to be here that did not meet the expectation. Totally. And it's hard for people. Yeah. Like in, in, even, even with a group of guys, one time we had a practice where a coach was like, I need somebody to give a call up to somebody right now. Hmm. And every guy went around and they were saying good things. He's like, I need a call up. And it took us like a good three minutes to finally, I, I stepped up and I called somebody up for maybe dogging on a drill. And he goes that it's like, that's what we need to do in order uh. to be where we need to be. And so, I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, of course it's hard, especially when you're playing with, like, maybe your friends or somebody. Mm-hmm. You don't always want to go over to your friend and be like, hey, you're not working hard enough. Yeah. You know how hard that is? Yeah. Especially if your guy doesn't trust you. It's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, but. I think that's why relational equity is just, like, so huge, knowing people. Like, when you know that someone wants the best for you, it, it can change how you receive something. You know what I mean? Mm. But if it's just, like, someone just harping on you just for the sake of it. Like that's a little, you know, tougher to receive. What do you think are the differences in approaching that? Honestly, I think it takes time. I think it takes time to, to build trust, um, with people and just, you know, working shoulder to shoulder, trying to ultimately go towards the same goal, but knowing, Hey, you got my back. I got yours. We're on the same team. Let's do this. Like, but yeah, I think that comes up with a little bit of time. Yeah, it does. Cause you can't really come right out of the gate and do stuff like that. And I guess another part of being a teammate is kind of giving the people the time to do so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say, um, let, let's say there's a freshman coming in and you can tell that he's just a natural born leader. And it's it's almost hard telling a guy like that, like, hey, it's going to take some time. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand. And, you know, maybe you've been in that shoes before where, like, you know, you're better than the captain of or you're a better leader. But it's just time is really yeah. the most important thing because. You, some people can see it on some other people, yeah. but that's not everybody. Right. So it's almost like the steadfastness of mm-hmm. like, hey, it's every day. Yeah. <laughs> 
kind of in that same vein, one of the things we do at church, um, a guiding principle of ours is this idea of throwing flowers, which is just creating a culture of honor. So when you see something, say something. So mm. like, you know, you're always willing to, to, you know, you help us out with our teardown and stuff like that. And that's a big deal for us. So it's like saying, hey, Jack, thank you for your time. Thank you for helping us, you know, get out of this venue quicker and <laughs> do what we need to do to, to close things down or um, with we have so many incredible people that serve in our church, but just like when you see something, say something. Cause I think a lot of times you're like, Ooh, that, that was, that was pretty cool. Or like, and we'll thank it, but we don't always say it. And so trying to get better at just being like, Hey, you crushed worship today. Like, or you were amazing with the kid that was crying upstairs or whatever it is. Like just creating that culture of honor. I think that's a really important currency uh, for teams to be able to challenge each other and just like get better as a as an overall you know organization of like when you can have that culture of honor and just like wanting the best for for your team because again you have the ultimate goal um of trying to get to wherever it is that you're going and when when honor's there i think that's a a big not flattery right yes not just like saying stuff just for the sake of it but like right. really honoring kind of like an authentic approach mm-hmm. you know and it, sometimes it's hard you know I mean, I won't lie, like sometimes maybe if you have a teammate that's struggling with something, it's hard not to just like say something to keep them up in high spirits. But like if you actually care about that person, mm-hmm. well, then you're boosting that and that would fall in line. So yeah, yeah definitely. I, have you ever had a situation in which you had a teammate that just had so much potential, but they just could not get out of their own way? Mm. Hmm. Whether it be performance based or just how they're interacting, you know? Yeah. Let's see. Well. I had this whole ordeal in high school that was a very layered situation. Basically, I'll save all the details, but the the general story was that um, there was a group of seniors. I was a junior at the time. We were in a really bad car accident, and there Mm. were a lot of details that were kind of like fabricated and um, like lied about and hidden and like just not good. And so that obviously like trickled over into the team dynamics, um, and that didn't help anybody at all um so yeah i think all that stuff it like makes its way onto the court or onto the field or whatever it is you know so whenever it's like not a clear good honest open communication I, i i don't think that's good for anybody but i don't know of a time um when yeah i don't have someone that didn't like no no of course and i'll i'll speak on kind of like we had a situation in which there was a guy Great guy. Mm-hmm. Everybody loved him. But just like the little things like showing up on time, mm. you know, great athlete, Oh uh, sure. Yeah. you know, small stuff yeah. like that. Okay. And it's just like, you know, how do you go about like some people? Cause I, in, in my experience, high school is just so such a hard area to, I mean, it's been done before people have made very high efficient teams at a high mm-hmm. school, but if you're just starting with something or you're trying yeah. to build something, it's very difficult to get a bunch of 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids on the same page. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes, I mean, I would err on the side that sometimes it's like, hey, it might take them until they're 23 to maybe get yeah, it all figured absolutely. out. Absolutely. Now that you say that, um, coaching, I had, I had a kid who hadn't played basketball before, but just natural, like super tall, um, just pretty oh, athletic. Helps. Like, <laughs> definitely helps. Um, and just a natural at it, uh, but couldn't get it together in the classroom mm. and as a coach that is tough because it's like yeah. we need you kid like come on you know but like ultimately the classroom is the standard like your behavior and your grades is like what matters most um 
so that is definitely a frustrating thing as a coach, uh, you know, when, when you, when you see someone not living up to their full potential, um, and not really knowing how to get through to them is, is tough. So let's say you have somebody in the past who's, you know, performed well, whether it be sports, their job, whatever it may be, they, they typically perform well, but you, you start to notice that maybe they're slacking a little bit. What is a good teammates approach to, you know, or maybe do you ever have feeling that it's not even your place to kind of go out and ask? Like, what are your thoughts on something like that? That's a tough one because yeah, it's like, especially in this day and age, it feels like you just have to be hypersensitive about everything, you know? Yeah. A little bit. But, um, with this idea of like knowing your role, I've kind of come to grips in my old age of, of like knowing what my role is in speaking into someone's life. So mm. for example, I have a really good friend who is very tender hearted and empathetic. And like, that is a gift of hers to be able to like sit with someone and like cry with them and just feel their pain. And like, I love that. And it's amazing. It's not my gift. Like I, I'm not as good at that. What I'm more prone to is kind of that. Um, it's, funny that this is coming full circle because it's almost my uh what I don't like is what I'm a little bit better at I think like that tough love oh so, yeah yeah because I'm a little bit more like come on like I know that person you know frustrated you hurt you disappointed you let you down but like you got a future ahead of you like you got you know amazing things in store for you like let's let's move on let's get past this and um and that's yeah that's a tough one because like again today like you know it's like so much of what we're kind of taught and and told is like sit with this stuff dwell in it and like Mm. feel it and like yeah yeah and there it has its place for sure but i'm my role as a as a friend as a teammate as whatever is hey let's go like come on god's Uh. god's got uh, your let's turn the page and i want to help you you know turn that page kind of type thing I like how you mentioned that because something that I think it would complement that well is a sentiment that oscillation in your approach as a teammate is so powerful. And let me kind of unpack that, try to paint this picture the best way I can. So let's say you have a quiet guy. Mm-hmm. We, we had a quiet guy on our football team, one of the best athletes ever. Mm-hmm. But when he spoke, everybody knew to listen. Yeah. And it works contrapositively or maybe inversely. I don't know the logic gate there, but, uh, maybe somebody outgoing like me and like very, you know, you know, I'll make jokes with anybody. I make the head coach laugh during a practice kind of thing when I kind of like, you know, humble down and be serious and maybe have a conversation with somebody that's just not goofy. Like that speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of one, and we called the shifting gears Mm -hmm. in, in, in college is, Hey, you could be great at six gear, but maybe you need to work on, you know, getting down in that first gear. Yeah. And, you know, it, the, the sooner you find a way to make your gear shift, mm. like just easier to navigate, then that's, that is liberating you as a teammate and liberating others around you. For sure. For sure. What are some of the qualities of maybe some of the worst teammates that you've ever had? Oh gosh. I mean, it just comes down to like one, if, if it, it comes down to trust mm. or do I like it? I'll say it first. It's it's easier to be a good teammate to somebody that you like. Yeah. Okay. There have been plenty of people that I didn't really like the most, but they showed up on time. They did the work. They had a short memory when we had our little run-ins, and that was that. I'll, I'll give you a situation. We had a guy for for a little bit. Him and I probably just didn't like each other very much. Yeah. But um, there was a situation in the weight room. 
I was like, hey, dude, like you're in my way and you're talking. Get out of here. And he goes, who do you think you're talking to? Anyway, it was like a whole scuffle, little thing. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I'm like, you know what? Hey, man, I'm sorry. He goes, it's okay, bro. Brothers fight. And I was like, you know, that's just the short-term memory that makes a good teammate. Now, a bad teammate in a situation like that would have held that grudge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, hey, I'm done with this guy. Get out of my way. I'm here doing my own thing. Yeah. So I I think you need to have a baseline of trying to do the right things. For sure. You know, showing up on time, doing stuff like that. But... And then I guess it's, it, it will always be a plus in any facet of life if somebody else likes you. So <laughs> That's be, nice. be a likable person to yeah. a degree. Yeah. You know, some people maybe have the uh, more harder line of that. You mm-hmm. know, maybe they don't need to be liked and they're fine with that. I think there's a role for those people in, in any team that I've experienced so far. Yeah. But if it's not, you don't do it. Yeah. You know? I like that. I like that. This um, preacher I like, he says that growing up, his dad told him all the time, people like you and they want to hear what you have to say. Mm. And I think that's huge. Like the reality is not everyone is going to like you, but when you can try to be winsome and say, Hey, I just want to add value to you and, you know, be a friend, stay sweet, stay kind, like, and at least hope that you like me. Like, (laughs) right. You know? Yeah. It's a good perspective. What my question is, what, what are the feelings of when you are not working well as a team with somebody else? Maybe a teammate's bad. What are the feelings that come with that? For me, the first word that comes is just, it's frustrating. Yeah. 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 It's frustrating. It's, um, disappointing. You know, I think when you, um, just can't click like as a team, um, it's like, um, (laughs) I think my mom might be laughing because she has a feelings pillow for me. (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah and like i mean on the on the flip side of that would be a a good teammate it's a breath of fresh air right you know when you don't when when things kind of just flow Mm -hmm. it it feels better i mean who it you the three questions that you mentioned earlier can you go ahead and yeah yeah cover those again what are you passionate about what needs do you notice in the world Mm. Mm -hmm. so for somebody looking at themselves do you think no let me take a step back do you think that it is fair for somebody to judge themselves as a good teammate, or do you think that is something only that your other teammates could do for you? Ooh, good question. I've heard it said that the best leaders aren't really um, no like their leadership isn't proven until they're gone, kind of type thing. Because mm. it's not until like seeing what you've done, you know, have you built anything, have you sustained anything? That's what's such a since Red Dolphin really appeals to like young people, a, a, a good thing is like, it takes, yeah, time. It takes a grind. It takes like, um, building something. I, so many people, I think in our day and age, like they just want the quick, you know, whether it's the viral TikTok or whatever yeah. it is, like you just want to rise right away. But like, it takes, it takes time. It takes work. It takes, um, people around you, you know, that can speak into your life and, show you where your weak spots are, show you where your blind spots are. Um, and I think we, we like to use our index fingers a lot more than our thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think we want to think, oh, I love this, this idea and this quote. Uh, we judge others by their actions and we judge ourselves by our intentions. Mm. So we'll be like, yeah, are you kidding me? I crushed that. Like, my, you know, because maybe our intentions in our mind were like, Oh yeah, I was, that was, I was trying my best or whatever, but what everyone else around you saw was, yeah, 
like showing up late to practice or not doing what the coach asked you to do or whatever that thing is. And so, yeah, I think really the best way to, to figure out if you're a good teammate is other people, you know, right. Having that feedback, you yeah. know, having a yeah. proof or having some substance. Any, I always like saying you always want to come to the, you know, head coach or something with some substance, totally. you know, totally. you're not just coming in saying all the, the same things that he wants to hear, but it's yeah. like, Hey, X, Y, Z, this. X, and y, Z. I think, um, like in the church world, uh, like when people affirm a calling or a gifting on you, it is an utter game changer. Um, something kind of cool with my story and like our context with, uh, our, the current campus pastor, we used to work together years ago when I first came to the church and he was one of the first people to give me an opportunity to speak and to share and to, you know, um, to preach a message and just having someone in your corner that like sees something in you and calls something out in you and help cultivate something is uh, just such a game changer. Cause like, you know, I might've never thought, oh, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I've never crafted a message. I don't know how to speak to kids. I don't know how to, mm. you know, X, Y, and Z. But when you have someone else that's like, actually, I think you can really, you know, do that. Um, and then that, that thing can kind of, that little seed can get, you know, watered and planted and then right. you can, you know, ultimately. So yeah, same with sports. Like, yeah, you have that coach when you were a kid that was like, you're, you're onto something, stay with it, you know, go yeah. to the extra practices or whatever. But yeah, having people speak into to that gift that you like can, can be able to just nurture that and water it. Yeah. Well, it's almost got to feel good too, because in, in, I mean, we've all known those people, like, let's say they're a little shyer mm -hmm. and like when you give them a little attention, like <laughs> they might say they might not like it, but I don't fully believe yeah. like that. Maybe they don't like it. I yeah. think everybody to a degree likes it. But when somebody starts to shine light on like a gift that you have, mm -hmm. maybe it is kind of in your head that like, I feel vulnerable doing this, mm -hmm. but you're going to find a lot more joy doing it. Totally. And I think somebody like that, like, let's say somebody, you know, is a great painter and gets a little nudge to like enter a painting into a competition that they, they do well. Yeah. I think they're going to feel good for that, for that little nudge. Yeah. And I mean, in, in an instance like that teammate would be synonymous with friend. Yeah. You know, what are your friends doing? Uh, friend groups are a team. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows their role. You know, yeah. Yeah. my friends back home love every single one of them. I'm not the most responsible one in the group. Mm -hmm. That's that's how that goes. We have we have a buddy Terry for that. <laughs> Shout, out Terry. Shout out Terry. Yeah, I mean seriously, he in I don't know. It's just so weird how how many different assets and avenues that the whole teammate place could go. Because like even with the family, my family knows I'm a little on the grumpier side sometimes, but uh, you know there's always growth there too. So yeah, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Oh gosh, the scripture says bad company corrupts good character. So. Friends are like elevators. They take you up or down. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, you, no, you had like five of them in there. I'm going to have to go through here and write them down. Yeah. Got a pocket full of one-liners. Pinterest quotes. As you read those, I'll get a little uh, intermission. Everybody, if you want to check out Rachel's content, we have Why Should I Podcast on the Instagram. And uh, if you're interested in looking at the Red Dolphin Podcast, hey. please. At Red Dolphin Pod on Instagram. I'm trying to post more close to every day. You know, we'll, we'll get to it, but please, I have clips for the podcast all on there uh, as well. Jack at jackfitzmagic.com. It's actually jackfitzmagic.com. But uh, <laughs> so that's why I didn't really know your last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many, so many different phrases you can do. Yeah. yeah. No, I love it. Um, I think like a collab is cool. Uh, something I've come to learn in my short podcast career. When I first started out, I like, 
had these really big lofty goals of like, I'm going to get this name and this name, like, you know, these oh, big, yeah. big dream people that I had, which is cool. And, uh, you know, still maybe one day I would try and do that. But I have been able to interview some people with like pretty significant followings and stuff like that. And interestingly enough, those episodes didn't necessarily do significantly better than ones with just like a friend did. And mm. they shared it on their platforms and things like that. So, you know, I was like, well, so that kind of got me saying, well, hey, I'm just, I kind of shifted my mentality and approach towards it to where I just want to help capture people's stories, their journey, their background, what it is that, you know, they're passionate about. And I feel like, you know, you reach people I can't reach. I reach people, you know, maybe you wouldn't normally oh, certainly. reach. Like, whatever yeah. it is, like, I just think that's cool how, like, someone will listen to this podcast because it's like, oh, yeah, Jack's on that podcast. I love Jack, you know? So, or they don't like me. <laughs> or they don't like you. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Who have been maybe some role models or some people that have helped you with your mentality towards being a good teammate and stuff? Oh, gosh. Number one is easily uh, Coach Calvin Renfro. Okay. Uh, shout out him. So he's the head coach at Cincinnati or Cincinnati Christian Hills Academy, CHCA. Okay. Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. And, I mean, he, he had recruited me out of high school. You know, maybe I had some potential coming in. But, you know, as I'm a junior, I'm a senior. I don't play. I don't sniff the field, but he loved me. He mm. talked to me. He understood. Uh, he kind of recognized my gifts and this guy connected with every single person. Wow. If, if, if you, if you were to take a teammate, any one of my teammates, they would tell you they are close with coach Renfro to the point where, and I'm not saying this being mean to, towards like other people. I would say everybody would say they're one of Coach Renfro's top three favorites nice. just because he connects with everybody so well. Yeah. You feel like you have a sense of special, and you are. Yeah. You are. It's genuine. Yeah. So he's kind of emulated that light That's awesome. like into me. And so, yeah, I love that guy nice. and his family. Very cool. And Coach Heyman, too. All the coaches get in there. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't leave anybody out. I, anytime I talk about those guys, like yeah. I'm really talking about them as a whole. Coach Coach Heyman, same way. Coach Peterson. Really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. What about for you? It would probably be the that basketball player I was referencing a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alicia Robertson. And for me, it was her faith. Like, she, she was in a public university, you know, could only, I guess, to a certain degree talk about it. But she... Lit, like walked the talk and her life just like she didn't just talk about her faith like she lived it out and mm. for me that was so like just awesome to see that modeled um and for her to be like integrity like integrity is like such a lost thing in this day and age and like she modeled that of like um basketball she did her best she wanted to be excellent she wanted to and she was she was like an incredible leader on her team and a great athlete but she always had the perspective like i'm playing for god i'm praying i'm playing to give god glory mm. and her favorite verse became my favorite verse just because oh, i was gosh. A, a look at that easily influenced kid but it was colossians 3:23. work hard at everything as if working for the lord not unto men uh, and you know that you'll receive your reward from him so just this idea of like, yeah, maybe my skill, my talent is what, what's gotten me in the door, basketball, whatever. But she knew that her ultimate thing was to glorify and honor God. So seeing that at a young age was like huge for me because I'm like, I just, it was cool because when I got to, to coach, I kind of had an inner dialogue with myself that I said, I just want to be an Alicia for a kid. Like, oh, yeah. I just want to do for a, a kid what Alicia did for me. Which well, is then like, it's just a domino effect. Yeah. It's just everybody wins from that, yeah, you know, yeah. especially emulating a good light mm -hmm. as opposed for, you know. Because, yeah. I mean, there is something powerful about a good coach. Like, 
Billy Graham has this crazy awesome quote about like a coach can influence more people than I'll have to, I'd have to look it up but just this idea of like what a what a coach can do in a kid's life is very very significant so. oh yeah without, I mean we all have teachers and everything yeah, yeah. and you know for sure for sure yeah mentors teammates we're, we're covering the whole team <laughs> <laughs> love it oh yeah uh, Rachel did you have any uh, any more questions I mean uh, how are we feeling so far? So far, so good. It's a little toasty in here, I will say. <laughs> you guys can touch the thermostat. Huh? <laughs> no problem with that, whatever. Um, well. Uh, maybe we could just end with... Um, what it looks like to be committed to growth like an area every area of your life or something yeah we can do that a thousand percent okay all right so to end it off guys uh rachel go ahead and self-plug yourself on everything before we get into our last question i'll give her a chance to uh, talk about anything cool she's got going on or if you're in austin uh rachel go ahead and spill us the beans on how we can find life family or yes the beans are <laughs> <laughs> Come find the beans. Um, yeah, downtown Austin, Life Family. Uh, yeah, that's how I know Jack. We have just an amazing church. Um, so we would love to see you there Sundays at 310 ACL. Um, and we're at 10 and 1130. Uh, Life.family is the name of the website. You can find more information on, on the church. And then, yeah, my personal Instagram is just hey, at hey Rachel Garcia. Um, and then, yeah, the podcast at why should I dot podcast got a bunch of different episodes about a lot of different stuff faith fitness relationships uh finances all kind of different stuff that you can find there so we'd love for you to check it out oh yeah and it's a beautiful church by the way you have to check it out it's probably one of the coolest ones that i've ever been to it's just got a vibe to it i don't think that's yeah it's great that's a wrong assessment by any means whatsoever yeah it's cool yeah so for our last question rachel you had mentioned go ahead bring that up again Yeah, yeah just what does it look like to be committed to growth in your own life? Like mm. maybe, maybe you can kind of talk about your season of moving from, um, I know you're from Ohio, but then you played football and then coming to Austin, like that's a big stretching season and kind of yes. what that's looked like for you. Um, and then for me, my like growth journey, if you will, uh, kind of really ignited a couple of years ago. I did this thing called 75 hard. I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. You completed that? I did. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So for me, that was like a, it was a, it was a game changer. It was a mental, um, shift. If you've never heard of it, it's a, a mental, uh, toughness challenge, if you will. And it's 75 days. You, you can't, like break the streak or you have to start over. Um, you have to read 10 pages of a book every day, uh, like a self-help growth kind of type book, uh, drink a gallon of water straight. Like you can't be like with a bunch of flavor stuff. In it. <laughs> uh, you have to take a, um, like a progress picture every day. You have to work out twice a day for 45 minutes a piece. They have to be the hour. The workouts have to be like at least three hours apart, one inside of one outside um and then like commit to a diet of your choice i think those are the the ones so it's actually not that many things but to do it every single day for 75 days um but yeah so in that i like i read atomic habits by james clear oh what a great book i I, like (laughs) discovered david goggins (laughs) like all these like just intense stuff um but it really did kind of shift my mentality of like 
you know, um, you are where you are because of the, you are like a sum of the decisions that you've made thus far, pretty much type mm. thing, you know? Um, so whether that like every area of life, spiritually, financially, physically, all these things, like it is because of the choices, decisions, and things that you have done that like, you know, have, have brought you to where you are. So kind of just trying to take some ownership. Um, and again, this idea of leveling up of, how can I show up to be the best, you know, um, employee, daughter, friend, sister, whatever it is, to be someone that, you know, I can be proud of, um, knowing that I, I did the best that I could. So it's kind of what my growth journey has looked like. And oh, I love that. Yeah, I think it, and kind of again, domino. Like this stuff infiltrates every area of your life. You know, when you can get some, it all comes back to discipline. Just being disciplined with with things in your life, and um, definitely good good stuff to to put in, into your daily routine. So, but yeah, how about you and your growth in the last little bit? Yeah. Um, I like the mentioning of dominoes too. It, it, it really does feel that way. Yeah. I think the number one that I always try to harp myself on is the positive, uh, positive self-talk. Mm. So like, how do I talk to myself mm. when, you know, something's hard and back home in the summer, I remember just thinking to myself, like killing weeds, like, or maybe I didn't wake up at eight o'clock or something or like before eight or something like that. I'd, I'd tell myself like, oh, you're such a deadbeat. Like, look at you, like doing these weeds. You need to like do something with your life. And like eliminating that was the first thing. Mm. Cause as soon as you start, like stop putting yourself down in a hole, yeah. it's easier to start gaining momentum. And if you're, if you're hammering yourself, yeah. who's the only person that's going to save you for anything or can do anything for you. It's, it's got to start with you. Mm -hmm. And then one thing that I've really loved is, uh, you know, every day is a there's gold from every day and there's growth hmm. for every day. Yeah. So it's just now or analyzing what did I do well, what could I have grown on? Yeah. And then you know you look at that the next day and it, it's it's co it's so weird how much writing something down actually does oh, because yeah. it's right in front of you. You did an action. You didn't just think about it. Mm -hmm. You physically wrote it down. Totally. You're reviewing. You're like, oh, I did this well. Let's keep doing that. I could work better on that. And then you become intentional mm -hmm. with how you're going to change. Yeah. So like you said, I don't think any – it is amazing how much time compounds like growth. Mm -hmm. And I always think about this. Uh, when I started getting into running, it was – the treadmill that really helped me envision this, and this is going to be a little weird. Sorry for the, the odd ending, but, uh, you know, I'll be running a treadmill, let's say like eight miles an hour. Like, let's say if I get tired after a little while, I'll go down to four for two minutes. And then I'm thinking like, imagine how much further I'd be if I was still at eight for those two minutes. Mm. And you know, if that, if that two minutes goes to an hour, think about how much further you would be. So maybe it's not always about going eight miles an hour, but like over time stuff does start to make an impact or become noticeable. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'll, I'll leave with the quote of uh, progress happens too slowly to notice, but setbacks happen too quickly to ignore. So Love it. Yeah, yeah, you know, setbacks gonna yeah. set you back. That's from uh, psychology of money by Morgan Housel. Mm -hmm. I don't know who said the direct quote, but it's in there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Here's another quote for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's get it. James Clear, you don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Mm. So a lot of people can have a lot of lofty goals, but what are you going to do to get to those goals? Oh, yeah. So What a great way to end the podcast. We got it. some quotes from the books and everything, so <laughs> feeling good. Wow. Well, Red dolphin meets why should I? Oh, yeah. We should uh, sharpie it down here. <laughs> Break my rent policy. It's good stuff. <laughs> 
Guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this collab of the Red Dolphin and Why Should I podcast. Uh, Rachel went ahead and her Instagram and everything will be below. Rachel, do you have any more thoughts or anything for as we close this episode? No, I'm just proud of you, Jack. Keep, keep it up. Thank you. Peace and blessings, guys. Stay blessed, never stressed.